Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. everybody how are you guys doing <clears throat> good you guys sound more awake than uh, than an 8:30 service should that's great hey listen um, I, today's gonna be a really special day for us and uh, and here's why um, as, as a church we um, we just feel a call and a passion as a church to to reach our valley and um, we feel called as a church to uh, make the message of Jesus known throughout our valley and to meet the needs of our valley. And a, a big part of that for us is raising up leaders around here. And so we, we do a lot of investing in our leaders and, and, and trying to raise up uh, people that are, that are trying to pursue God and, and, uh, and the purposes of God for their life. And, uh, and this weekend is going to be a little different than a typical weekend because we're doing something new. And uh, this is going to become a part of the rhythm of, of this house. And what we're doing is we're going to be doing a Young Communicators Weekend. And this is, uh, this is something that I believe is absolutely important that the church does, is that it invests in and gives voice to new leaders coming up uh, in the body of Christ, rather than cherry-picking uh, people who have had lots of opportunity all of their life. And so, <clears throat> and, and obviously old leaders too. But <clears throat> so today what I want to do is I, I want to bring to you uh, two, two voices that are uh, involved in our church in, in a pretty heavy capacity. And I, I just think they have a, a word from God for you. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, here, here's what I want you to do when, when they're, they're preaching. I, I want you to lean in. I want you to laugh when they're having fun. Um, I, I want you to engage with what they're saying. I want this to be a moment where your hearts are open to what the Spirit has to say. Because I believe God has a lot here. But, but I want you to also just really just intentionally lean in. And so today, when we get started, I'd like to introduce our two speakers to you. Just the two, the two tall guys around here. And... Um, <clears throat> Our first speaker's name is Derek Corum, and Derek, uh, yeah, Derek, Derek has been part of this church uh, since 2011. He actually got saved in this or got saved in this church um, when he first moved over here, and um, and when my wife and I first became pastors of this church, uh, Derek was the one of the first people to come talk to us, and his his conversation with us looked a lot like this: "Hey, I'm moving to Australia," <laughs> and. Um, and it, it was actually a, kind of like, oh, no, because we see so much in you. That, that, was, that was the feeling. And we're like, oh, you're going to never come back. Um, but after his, his time in Australia, getting his, his theological education and, and spending time in the Word of God, he, 
he decided to come back, which is, which is super unusual for, for a Bible school student, but also we've, we just feel so honored that he's with us. Now he leads our, um, our first impressions area, and he also does a lot of pastoral help in, inside the church. Super excited. You're going to have a great word from him. And the second person that is speaking, his name is Bronson Manini. <clears throat> he's, he's the big, tall Hawaiian around here that, that is just uh, absolutely, you can't miss him. He's loud. He's fun. And Bronson, um, Bronson, is, Bronson and his wife lead our young people. They do a fantastic job. Every Wednesday night, there are dozens of teenagers in here acting crazy and getting a hold of God. Uh, in fact, they're, they're brave enough to take time off work to go spend uh, time in the mountains with a bunch of teenagers. So, um, so super excited for you to hear from both Derek and Bronson. Let's give them a hand. <clears throat> Let's go. There we go. Pastor Roger, thank you for that word. That was incredibly kind. And I remember that conversation as well. Hey, you guys are awesome, but I'm leaving the country. Good morning, everyone. Well, my name is Derek. And uh, like Pastor Roger said, I've been a part of this church for a while now. Um, you know, how to make a little stint six years overseas, no big deal. But I'm back, and I'm, I'm fired up, ready to go. So I hope you guys are as well. Um, genuinely, I'm expectant for the word today. I'm expectant that the word that God has placed in my heart would actually stir up your faith in him. That it would challenge and strengthen your faith and trust in God. Amen? Amen. Let's get into it. So I'm going to talk to you about a man named Saul. From Tarsus, and then we're going to look at one of Saul's, um, some of that impacted Saul's life very heavily. So in Acts 9, we see this man named Saul. Now, Saul is a man who is persecuting the church or the way, as they would be known in, in the early parts of Scripture. Saul is not a good dude. He is uh, arresting those who have their allegiance in Jesus, he's killing the Christians. He's on a mission or a commission from the high priest of Jerusalem. Saul is not a good dude. And we pick up the story with Saul on his way to Damascus, from Jerusalem heading up to Damascus, and he has an encounter with the risen Jesus. He gets knocked off his horse, and he's on the ground blinded by a light, and he sees the risen Jesus. And Jesus asked him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul is left blinded in this probably pretty destitute state. His entire life of persecuting these Christians and persecuting the way is now being shifted and changed. And so his, his, uh, his companions, they bring him into Damascus and they... They get him into a room, they get him into a house, and Saul is there left blinded, refusing to eat, fasting for three days. And this is where our story picks up. Our story picks up with a man named Ananias, a devoted disciple, one who is highly respected. So if you have your Bibles, go to Acts 9, 10 through 19. Acts 9, 10 through 19. It says this. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Ananias. That's what I think. I don't think that's what it sounds like, but that's what I think. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man 
from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles, to their kings, and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up, was baptized. After taking some food, he regained his strength. Now, what we're going to talk about today throughout all the services, and, you know, if you want to hear multiple speakers, come to every service. Um, what we're talking about today is what does faith look like? What does faith look like? And for me, for me, often faith looks like a dilemma. Faith can look like a dilemma. Now, who's ever been faced with a dilemma? I'm not talking about, you know, where you're going to eat after church or if you want to hang out with Nancy or not after church. Or if you're going to have Coke or Pepsi, because we all know Dr. Pepper with a little bit of lime is probably better than both of those. But, but genuinely, I'm talking about a proper dilemma. Maybe where you have two or more options. Something that would, they could be negative, neutral, or positive impacts in your life, but you're just unsure of which way to go. So I recently have just faced a dilemma. You know, as we've talked about, I went to Australia, was there for six years, did Bible college, built an amazing community of friends, a very safe, comfortable place, and I really felt like God was calling me, it was time to go. And that was a dilemma in my life. You know, I was living by the beach, really suffering for the gospel every day. It was really hard, like genuinely, it was super difficult. Um, but, but seriously, maybe, maybe you're not moving countries, but maybe you've just graduated from high school, and you're now deciding on what to do next to go to college, to take a gap year, to go to the military, to join the workforce. Maybe you have a job or career opportunity and you're thinking, what's my next step in those options? You might have a dilemma. Maybe you're new to this church experience and you're deciding on which team to serve on. You know, first impressions, we're always looking for new people. If you want to head out here and talk to any of the team, we'll sign you right up. We're better with you than without you, so shameless plug. Um, no, but seriously, may, maybe you've just recently retired and you find yourself with a lot of time on your hands and you're like, I have a dilemma. Where am I going to spend my time? Or maybe you're more like Ananias and your dilemma or your faith dilemma directly impacts your faith and your safety. I believe that Ananias had a dilemma to face. Like I said, he was going to Saul. If Ananias goes in to this room and goes to pray for Saul, he has put a target on his back. He is putting, he's identifying himself as, hey, Saul, you know that people that you were looking for to arrest and to kill? I'm right here. I'm ready. You've, you found me. I, I gave myself up. This is a life-threatening moment for Ananias. But I believe he had a dilemma to face. And the dilemma was this. Was Ananias going to place his faith and trust in God and what God has called him to do? Or was he going to ignore what God has called him to do? And maybe just hope that God would call somebody else. And I believe the tension that Ananias faces is something similar 
if we're honest, that we face sometimes. Maybe not as to the extreme of, you know, a life-threatening situation, but the same question remains. Did God call, really call me to this? God, are you really asking me to share my faith? And more to the core of the story here, God, are you really calling me to share my faith with my enemy? But with someone that's going to persecute me, you want me to talk to them? That person? Get out of here. Well, the simple answer, though, realistically, the simple answer is yes, of course. Of course God wants you to share your faith. And that's my time today. Thank you so much. No, Bronson, no. No, of course, that's the simple answer. Like, duh, we, we get that. Of course, that's the simple answer. But what I actually want us to walk away with today is what actually happens when we do place our faith and trust in God. And when we go to God with our dilemma. I'm going to just give you two quick principles in the time I have left of examples from Ananias' faith expressed and what I believe that shows us about God's character. The first principle is this, that God provides even when we doubt. Amen? God provides even when we doubt. Ananias has doubts, and Ananias' doubts are grounded in reality. Like I said, if he goes and announces who he is, Saul, Saul has identified him. Saul probably still has followers there. Like, they're looking for these people that are coming in the name of Jesus. He has doubts. He's heard many reports of this man. Many reports of this man named Saul. But God. But the Lord. I love a good, but the Lord in scripture. Amen? God reassures Ananias that Saul is his chosen instrument to reach the Gentiles. That even in Ananias' doubt, his faith can still be expressed. Often, I know myself, I could think of faith and doubt being opposites or being um, opposing each other. But in the words of the great rapper, theologian, Andy Mineo, it says, the opposite of faith ain't doubt. It's when you got it all figured out, right? It's when we have everything figured out. It's when we think, no, 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 God, I actually can do this on my own. I actually don't need you. I actually can do this on my own. I think that's much more damaging to our faith than asking some questions. I'm here to encourage you today that Even when you doubt, even when you doubt your ability, your position in life, your words, or even your confidence, or even God's ability to do something in you, know that God has empowered you through his spirit. That he is there in those moments of our doubt. That he's not far off. We do not serve a far off, distant God that's just hiding in the clouds somewhere, but one who's close. That he's not afraid of our doubts. That when God calls you, he doesn't abandon you. Amen? Our first principle, God provides even when we doubt. The second one is this, sharing our faith is for the benefit and service of others. Sharing our faith is for the benefit and the service of others. Sharing faith involves two people. Someone's like, duh. Yeah, we get it, but we can internalize our faith so easily. We keep it to ourselves, but sharing our faith involves two people, someone that needs to hear from the Lord and someone that has a word from the Lord. And this works, this translates so well in encouragement. I love encouragement so much. This translates so well in encouragement that I might have a word of encouragement for somebody. And if I don't share that with someone, I'm robbing them of a blessing that God has for their life. Someone that needs to hear from the Lord. I believe that when we share our faith, it's a cyclical nature. It's like a cycle that I share my faith and my faith is built. I share my faith and my faith is built. I share my faith and my faith is built. If we go back to Saul, Saul, who's, you know, he's, he's blinded, he's not eating, 
He's just probably like just praying somewhere. God, like you sent me this guy named Ananias. I know he's going to come. I know he's going to come. I know he's going to come. We fast forward in the story just a little bit. And Saul goes, starts to go by his Greek Roman name, Paul, and starts to write letters to the churches. He's planning churches. He's, he's, he's becoming this like amazing impact into the early church. And he writes a letter in Galatians to a church in Galatia. Galatians 5, 6, it says this. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. This is the thing I want you to get. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Now, I might have just done Bible college. I could be reading into the text, but I did try to clear it with Pastor Roger a little bit. But just go with me, just logically, just go with me. I think Paul is writing this letter to the Galatians. He's writing this letter, and Paul, Saul, both synonymous. He's writing this letter to the Galatians, faith expressing itself through love. And I think, I think just maybe, maybe he could be recalling Ananias' first words that was spoken over him. As Saul is destitute, down, just praying, Lord, Lord, I need someone. I think Ananias coming in, he's coming into the house. I want to believe that he just like kicks the door down and like jumps in. I don't think it's what happens, but he, he comes into the house and he's like, I'm here from God. I'm here. I have a word from the Lord for a man named Saul that I'm supposed to pray for. And he sees him on the ground. He goes, gets up close to him. And he goes, Brother Saul. Brother Saul. What sweet, what a like sweet musical just to Saul's ears. Brother Saul, the one who is persecuting you. You're a brother now. You're family. I brought you into the house. Brother Saul. Faith expressing itself through love. I believe that he greeted him and embraced him as family. Ananias shows us that even a reluctant gospel messenger, even someone who is unwilling to share, must not only love their enemies, but also trust. This is key. We get to trust that the gospel has such redemptive power that a praying, converted persecutor, Saul, is a persecutor no more. Amen? That the power of the gospel is true, it's deep, it's everlasting, it's transformative. And this could be just, you know, man, we're feeling good. This is great. We learned it a little bit from Ananias. But what's next? I remember when I was in Bible college, somebody asked one of our professors, someone that we really respected. We looked up to this man. He was a brilliant communicator, great preacher. And he was like, man, this guy, he has the secret stuff. And someone asked him that. Robert, what's your secret? What's your hidden secret? How did you get to where you're at now? And Robert's response was, pray, read your Bible, follow what it says, get around those who do the same. And the student asked him again, no, 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 we, we get that. We're in Bible college. We can do that. No, no, what is your secret? What's your secret sauce? Pray, read your Bible, do what it says, get around people who do the same. And that, I believe, is the secret. That's practical. If you want to practically grow in your faith, get around people who do the same. We have groups starting soon. This is not a shameless plug. I genuinely believe it could be the best thing in your life this summer. Getting around other believers that are going to sharpen you, that are going to call out the thing that they see that God is calling you to do. If you don't want to grow in your faith, if you don't want to do that, you know, walk into church late, leave early, don't pray, don't meet people, don't read your Bible, don't get around those who are going to call you to something greater in your life. We're not made to live this faith dilemma alone. 
I just got back from the return, and I know there's a couple guys that were up there with me, and I'm not going to give anything away. Thank you, Joey. But, but genuinely, sharing my faith and sharing my experiences with these men has strengthened me. It's strengthened my faith. Now, as we close, I just want to leave you guys with two questions that I want to take into your Monday. Sunday messages can be great for Sunday, but if they aren't applied on a Monday throughout the week, it's, it's like a country club. It's just a Sunday message. I don't want to do that. So the two questions are this. What area or areas of my faith am I doubting God in? This could be my finance, my health, uh, fractured relationships, lost children. I know that God is faithful even when we doubt. And the second word is this. The second question. Who in my world would benefit from me sharing my faith with them? This could be a word of encouragement. This could not just be beliefs. And especially if it's your enemy. I don't believe that we have to do this faith journey alone. If you'd stand with me. I just want to pray for one group of people, and then Bronson's going to come on up here. I just want to pray for those who might be like the Ananias, the devoted disciple. I want to pray that your faith would be strengthened and that your faith would be expressed through love to others. That there would be a boldness to share in your faith. That any doubts would fall away from the calling that God has placed in your life. I know that there may be some people in your world that you might be that might be spiritually blind. And I believe that God is calling you to be the one to knock, maybe not on their actual door, but the door of their hearts and their lives. And be the one to help them regain their sight and fill them with the Spirit. Amen? If that's you, lift your hands to heaven. I just want to pray for us all today. God, you see every single person in here. Lord, every single person. Lord, I pray that their faith would be strengthened, Lord. That there would be a boldness that would rise up in them, Lord. That you would give them spiritual eyes to see those who are around them. Lord, that you would give them confidence to encourage, confidence to share your word, Lord. That you would never leave them or forsake them. Jesus, we love you so much. Amen. My boy. Let's give Derek another hand. That, he killed it. He killed it. Absolutely killed it. Um, Real quick, I just want to th- just thank you, Derek, for the message that you shared. It was so impactful and it was so deep and it was so much, filled with so much knowledge and stuff. Um, and the second group of people I want to thank is just Pastor Roger and Pastor Kim. Um, I really appreciate this opportunity you guys have given all of us and just like the amount of um, pouring in you do to everyone around you and just the intentionality you have. Because it would be so easy just to, like you said, just to bring someone in from the outside or, you know, say you go on vacation or something. It would be so easy for you guys just to hire somebody else. But you guys are like, no, we're going to intentionally build the people in this house. And we just really appreciate that. So give them a round of applause, you guys. We have the best mom and dad of the church. That's all I'm going to say. Um, so like, like Derek said, um, we were given this uh, a task to kind of just say what faith looks like in our life. Um, and as I was wrestling with, the, with what to say and kind of what it looks like in my life, um, Luke 5, 1 through 11 came to my mind, if you guys want to throw that up. Um, and it, it came to my mind for many reasons. But the main one is, um, through this story as I read it, um, it's just so crazy, the, the, the intentionality that Jesus has with his people around him. So I'm going to read it real quick. One day, Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats on, at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them where, and were washing their nets. 
stepping into one of the boats. Yeah, sure, Jesus, just come on in. Just do whatever you want. Just step into the boat. Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat on the boat and taught the crowds from there. He, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where the water is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. Have you guys ever had a manager that was like, hey, you guys want to come back for another shift? Like, that's what I feel like is going on here. Like, we worked hard. No, no thanks. He's like, but if you say so, I'll let down my nets again. And this time, their nets were so full, fish began to tear the nets. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. Soon, both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees and, or before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. And as they landed, they, le- they left everything and followed Jesus. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. Dear God, I just thank you for this wonderful story about what it looks like, not only to surrender our lives to you, Lord, but what it looks like to be a follower and a a disciple of you. In Jesus' name, amen. So growing up, I was kind of a wild kid, like so wild, like all of the energy just in the, I was going to say little, but like I was just smaller, like I was never little. Um, And we had this giant, like we had not a giant rock wall, but we had like a rock wall that was about five foot high. And um, with all the energy I had, it rained the night before. I thought it would be a great idea to slide on the moss that was all over these rocks. I lived in Hawaii, super humid, moss all over these rocks. And I was just like sliding on this rock wall. So intelligent. Um, And I ended up breaking my arm, like shattering it. Like my hand was this way, my arm was this way, and the bones were just twisted in the wrong direction. And my poor mom, like I remember just like, Walking up to her so calmly, and be like, I think there's something wrong with my arm. I don't, I don't know. Like I'm having to like hold it up, like, and it's just like flopping down. And I remember my mom just going into a panic, an absolute panic. And she's like trying to wrap my arm up, and she's she's like trying to, and she's like got my dad like, we need to go to the hospital now. And I was just like, what is going? Like I just like just turn it around for me. I don't know. Like isn't that all you need to do? Um, and I remember like. Us going to the doctor, getting a cast on, which a cast, when you have two older brothers, it's just a weapon. Like, you're the youngest, you're like, I got a weapon now. And you're just like hitting them over the head with it when they're asleep. Like, it's, it's the greatest thing when you're the youngest of three boys. It is the greatest. Um, and I remember like we having to go to the doctor time and time again to get this thing reset. And this thing ate up my whole summer because it happened between first and second grade. So the whole summer I was just like stuck in this this club, this weapon, actually. Um, and as we were going to the doctor time and time again, they're like, okay, your next visit should be pretty healed. We took some x-rays. Um, you, you would just be putting a soft cast, get kind of the strength back in your arm. And I was like, super cool, awesome. And we went back again to that second visit, and they're like, it's actually not healing right, and we're going to have to put you under and re-break your arm. And I was like, this is not okay. Like, I remember being, like, this seven-year-old kid that was like, I'm not prepared for this. We're not doing this. And I remember, like, just, like, fighting my mom. I was, like, a super rebellious seven-year-old, as much as you can be. I don't know. 
And I was just like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to have this happen to me. My mom was, like, talking to me as they were, like, slowly, like, putting the medicine, like, trying to, like, get me, trying to trick me to get the, the, to put me to sleep. And I remember just not being prepared for it. And how many of us, we walked into the situation, just like, no, no, and we may not verbalize it as a seven-year-old child would. Like, I'm not prepared for this. Like you go into your boss one day and be like, actually, we have to let you go. Or, or your, your, your kids walk up to you one day and be like, I just hate you. You're just not prepared for it. We feel out of control. Or you see those like Priuses on the side. There's always a Prius. It's like, Jesus is my co-pilot. Like we live in Idaho. Get something a little bit bigger. Not, the Prius is not it. Sorry if you own a Prius. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. But I'm serious. But we live in this world that's like, you control it. You own your life. Like, Jesus is my co-pilot. Like, really he's not. I just want to tell you real quick, if you're that person that's like, I'm super in control. Like, you'll, the safest you will ever feel is when you finally put Jesus in your driver's seat of your car. The safest place you'll ever feel is when you finally give up control. And a lot of like my control freaks are like, never. I'm like, you'll figure it out. Um, and there's four things that have broken down in this story that is just showing Jesus' goodness in every step that he takes. Um, the first thing is Jesus wants to identify with you. He wants to identify with you. Like, he has this crowd behind him, and he just walks up to this boat, and he just, like, steps into it, like, this is mine now. Like, I'm the captain. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, he just steps into it. But then he turns around. And he asks Peter, hey, will you push me out? Because we don't serve a God that, we don't serve a God that's forcefully pushing his agenda on you. He turns around and asks. He asks you, hey, I want you to be a part of this. I want you to be a part of this thing because he wants to identify with you. I mean, it'd be like, it'd be like if, like me and my wife, that's my wife right there. She's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. You guys, that's my wife. Um, it would be like if I was just like, you know what, I love you, but like, let's not, like, I don't, I don't want to actually be public with you. Like, Jesus wants you to identify with him as well. He wants your participating hand in action in this. And imagine him just coming, because like, we look at this story and be like, oh yeah, he just like was hanging out of Jesus' boat, or Peter's boat. Jesus was just like kicking it, kicking it. He's like, no, no, he stepped into his place of work. It'd be like if he stepped into, like, your Starbucks or wherever you're at. He just, like, stepped. He stands like, this, this is mine. I want you to help me with this because this is your mission field. And I think far too often we come to a church and be like, this is where we meet God, and we go back and we just kind of live our life as if God wanted you to end your life at these doors. Like, he wants to identify. He wants to walk with you. But more than that, he wants your hand in it. The second thing is he wants to take over your boat. And you're like, what do you mean by boat? I mean your life. Whatever you have in your hands, Jesus wants to take over that thing. He wants to own it. And a lot of people are like, Jesus is just going to take over and run my life. Kind of. Kind of. But not really. Because I don't know if you know this, but the lake that they're in, like there's storms about it. Like I remember always joking, like I lived in Hawaii. There's oceans. Like those are real storms. Um, I did research on the lake that is the Sea of Galilee. 
that thing gets wild. Like their winds are wild. The storms there are wild. The currents there are not like a normal lake. So as Jesus is sitting in the middle of this boat preaching, Peter has to keep him in the center. Peter has to make sure that the currents don't take him too far to the left, too far to the right. He wants to take over your boat, but more than that, he wants your hand and keeping him at the center of that boat, of your life. Because he wants to use your life as a pulpit. He wants to speak and preach from your life. The third thing is, he doesn't want you to sink. And a lot of people are like, yeah, I get that. Like, he doesn't want me to go under. He doesn't want me to drown. He doesn't want the storms to overtake me. What was happening in this story? They got so much fish that their boats began to sink. The boats began to sink. He wants you to share your blessings with others. And I'm, there's this Jordan Peterson quote, and I'm going to butcher it. And if however you feel about Jordan Peterson's politics, he's a psychiatrist, so I take his professional like advice on this aspect of things. He said the biggest, the biggest way out of depression is to serve others. And far too often we get like we get just a little bit of success, or we get a little bit. I'm not saying we're going to our boats are overflowing. What I am saying is every little bit of success was never meant for you. Your little bit of happiness, if you do not share that with other people, your boat will begin to sink. And you're wondering why, like, oh, I just feel so down. I feel so beat up. It's because the things that you have in you is not for you. It's for the community around you. It's for the people around you. It's not meant for you. He doesn't want you to sink. He wants you to share your blessings with others. Because there are people in this building, in this community, in this city with empty boats. And you have the fish to give them. You have the blessings to give them. You have the attitude to give them. And as the band would come up. Very last point is, and it's just, it's just four words. Jesus says four words to Peter. And it's so funny because it's so easy to just gloss over. I think Peter, Pete. Whoa. Holy Ghost. Um, I think preachers use that term a little too often. But it really is something. It's four words, and it's take me to the deep. Take me to the deep. And if you remember in the, in the first part of the story, it said that they're washing their nets. They were done. They're clocked out. They're washing their nets. You know the only time a fisherman has to wash their nets is if it's, if it's full of weeds, full of gunk from constantly dipping their nets into the shallow end. Faith looks like surrender. John 15 to 5 says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And I always argue with that verse because like, I can do a lot of things. I do construction for a living. Like, that's, that's what I do. Like, my hands, you should see them. I could do a lot of things. I could swing a sledgehammer all day long. I, I, could, I, could, I could get scholarships to play basketball somewhere. I did all that without God. But God would look at all of those things and say, that's nothing. 
It's not what I've called you to do. So when me and my wife were first asked to I practice this, I didn't cry, and now I'm frustrated. When me and my wife first asked to lead the youth, I took me and my best friend. His name is Muggsy, he's my dog. And we just went on a drive to and around Lake Lowell. I'm not the best scenery, I get it. It's all we got though. Because I was fighting. I had this battle. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't want to lead this thing. Like, I'm the best number two. You know what I mean? Like, I'm Scottie Pippen. Someone else can be Michael Jordan. Like, I'm just the best number two. Like, I can sit there, I can live in that, I can be that. But I need to surrender all of that. Because this life of faith isn't, isn't just so that you can get what you want in life. It's not some way that you manipulate God. What it really is, is you're trusting in him. Your trust, that's all faith is, is trust. Why did Adam and Eve sin in the beginning of Genesis? Because they lost their trust in God. So my dad, last year in February was, um, he was diagnosed with cancer, um, still fighting the faith, and I don't like need a bunch of you guys to come after me and pray for me. It's okay, it's okay. It's okay to pray from afar as well. Like if someone's struggling with something, it's okay to pray from afar. Um, I just don't want to be tackled after church. That's really what it is. Um, we were eating and eating good food, as Hawaiians do. That's why most of us have diabetes. Um, I'm just kidding. If you have diabetes, I'm, I, was so, I should not have said that joke. I should not have done that. Um, that's so bad. We were, I'm just trying not to cry. We were just eating food one time, just hanging out. And my dad makes like this, just like an offhand comment. Doesn't even, he wasn't like trying to be deep, wasn't trying to think about what he was saying. We were just having a normal, everyday conversation. And he, he's a pretty strong believer. He has his struggles. But he said something so profound. What he said was, I know God's going to heal me, whether in this life or the next. I think he just kept talking. Like, that was just a normal thing he said on a Thursday afternoon. I was like, what? Let's, can we roll that back a little bit? Can we break this down? And he's like, no. Because that's not where my faith lies. I know God has the best outcome. Surrender your boat. Because the best place you'll find safety is in his hands. So as you guys would stand. The first group of people I'm going to, I want to pray for is you've been wandering away from God. You've been wandering away from the faith. I 
and you feel this call back, this beckoning. And not verbally, not like Morgan Freeman in the back of your head. But deep in your soul, you feel him reaching out to you. So if everyone would bow their heads. It's super simple. Turn away from the lies. Turn away from everything you may have thought wrong about God and his people. And turn back around towards him. Because I'm like this, Lord, I'm sorry for the way I felt. I'm sorry for the way I looked at you and your people. Lord, forgive me for everything that I've done. And Lord, run my boat. I want to make you the master of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now the second group of people I want to talk to. You're You're staring at the bottom of the barrel of a gun. And you don't know if you can do it. You don't know if you can take it. You don't know if you can handle it. You don't have the faith enough to do it. Like I'm done trying. I'm done putting effort into it. I'm just done. You're laying on the mat of your life and life is counting down on you. I just want to say one quick thing. One, you're stronger than than you believe you are. You're so much stronger than you believe you are. But two, the victory's already been won. Like you don't have to walk up to the free throw line of your life and think you have to make these shots. We have a savior that's already shooting those shots for you. So dear God, I pray that as these people, these people look at this situation and think, I don't have what it takes to handle this, to fight for it, Lord. Show them that that, that's not what the point is. The point isn't that they fight, Lord. The point is that they rest in the victory that had already been won. And that if we let you take over our boat, blessings will arise. And from those blessings, we're going to be able to bless others. In Jesus' name. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.